sense of his presence. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And Marianne, that word, you'd have thought you were in the prayer meeting before. The way we were praying upstairs, you thought you were in there, eerie wigging, and what we were praying to the Lord. The Lord bless you all. Thank you, Gary, and Stephen, and Gail, and Margaret, and Dave. Turn with me again, please, to 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going back to our study, and hopefully, God willing, we'll pick up and maybe go a different direction. Um, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. Bless the Lord. <clears throat> Hallelujah. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for the wonderful sense of your spirit in this place. Thank you, Lord, for the anointing of God. And we ask you, Lord, now to take your word and inscribe it in all our hearts and give us teachable spirits. Give us listening ears. Lord, give us the ability to comprehend. Lord, we pray that you would move again from seat to seat and from heart to heart. And Lord, that you would take your word and imprint it upon every mind and inscribe it upon every heart and may it be etched upon every soul. Father, we worship you and we ask all these things, giving you thanks in Jesus' precious name. Amen. God's great and glorious gospel. I think this is about part 10, is it? It's about part 10. And I know we had a couple of weeks away there, a couple of weeks break, but let me just give you where we are. Look at our reading this evening in verse 9. Just come almost down to the end of verse 9. And notice what it says, that ye, that you and I, should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And a wonderful thing about even the message that was given earlier here, just moments ago, was light and darkness. So we know that God has sealed this meeting this evening. God has sealed his word and God will seal it in our hearts. Notice this. He hath called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now I notice whenever we looked at the 12 tribes of Israel, 10 were in the northern kingdom, 2 were generally in the southern kingdom. Israel, or the house of Israel, was also called Joseph. It was called Samaria. It was called Ephraim. And it, it, it was taken away and taken captive and then scattered. And of course, gradually went westward. That's your west. That's your east. That's your west. And so whenever we look at it then, we see Judah is left in the picture. And they have the temple in Jerusalem. 
And then Jerusalem, as they're in the temple worshipping, the kings are, a lot of the kings, except for those coming toward the end, like Manasseh, they were, they were all pretty good kings, or there was a fair amount of them were good kings and godly kings. But when apostasy came into the nation, when the kings followed the way of their sister, the house of Israel, the house of Judah followed her sister, then God had to be just and moved upon Judah as he did on Israel. And they were scattered, of course. Nebuchadnezzar came in and carried them in to Babylon. Now here's what I want to show you this evening. Remember, the strangers scattered were like a handful. Give us a picture of a handful of grain or a handful of corn or a handful of wheat and scattered in a certain or thrown in a certain direction. Some say with the wind behind the direction of the wind. We hear all the time of a wind in the Bible, like the one that shipwrecked Paul was called Eurycliden. And it's mentioned a couple of times, comes from the east, blowing to the west. So here we have this handful which are thrown to the air, and of course representing the seed which are the children of God, the seed which are the word of God through the two parables. We've looked at it, we haven't time to go into it again. But notice the Lord had said in the book of Hosea, to the house of Israel, he said that he would no longer, they would receive mercy no more from him. And he also said that they were not his children. Later he says, but in the place where it was said that you're not my people, there it shall be called, you shall be called the sons of God. And of course, John 1 and chapter 12 tells us that to all who receive the Lord Jesus, to them give the Lord, give the power or the authority. It's the word exousia. The, the, the license, as it were, to become the sons of God. Turn with me, if you will, to the book of Hosea for a couple of moments. I really need to just open one or two things up and let you read them for yourselves. Hosea, please. And we've already mentioned in chapter 1 when the Lord says in verse 10, Ye are the sons of the living God, that those who are in Christ will become known as the sons of the living God. Now let your eye go into chapter 2. We're told in that scattering in chapter 2, verse 14. Therefore, behold, I will lure her and bring her into the wilderness. This is the scattering. And speak comfortably. Those were the words that were used by the Spirit tonight also. I will speak comfortable words. Isn't that what the... You get the the CD and and you'll hear it again. Very in tune to that tonight. And I will speak comfortably. Notice that comfortable words is the gospel. I will speak to their inner man, their inner woman, to their inner being. That's what the word means here. It's the word live. I'll speak to the heart instead of ten commandments or the law of God written on the outside on tables of stone. It would be placed upon the hearts of those who would come become Christian in Christ, that is. Now, if you just let your eye run back again to verse 6. Therefore... Behold, I will hedge up. Notice the terminology, for we may need this to refer to it this evening, if we time willing. Therefore, behold, I will hedge up thy way with thorns, and will make a wall that she cannot find her paths. Here, in other words, they'll be lost. Here, in other words, they'll become gentilized. They'll be unknown to themselves even, but not unknown to the, to the Lord. Now, let your eye run back down again, please. And let your eye run right down to the very bottom, and it says in verse 23, And I will sow her unto me in the earth. Here is that scattering. I will sow her unto me in the earth, 
And I will have mercy upon her that had not obtained mercy. And I will say unto them which were not my people, thou art my people. And they shall say, thou art my God. Here he's speaking of after a time of dispersion. After a time of scattering. There would be a time when they would say, you are my God. You are my husband. You're re-betrothed to the bridegroom who is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this is what we really need to look at this evening. And if you can try to do your best to stay with me. Let's go back to 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, please. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. And let us just look at the end of verse 9. Notice what it says here. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9. That ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Whenever a people, now we can use this as a people, as in a, a nation, a community. It can be used as an individual. You, yourself, my life, your life. When a people who are going on with God fall into apostasy, and come into spiritual idolatry. And the world comes in as it were to the church. If the church are being salt and light to that nation. That nation will fall. That nation will start to be adulterous before the God it was built upon. Speaking of our nation. Speaking of like the United States, Christian or once Christian term Christian nations who were built upon the word of God, who were built upon the law of God, who were built upon the the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Whenever that nation has a church which is weak, which has a church which is watery, has a church which has uh, people wanting to have their ears tickled and preachers who are wanting nothing but their own vanity, glory and money. Whenever we look at a church like that, the church is no longer salt in the nation. The church is no longer light to shine the way, but the church dims greatly and the darkness starts to grow. Look at our nation. We have churches. And I've been talking to a few people that are in ministry recently. Just even the other day from I came home and just before I went away on holiday. And they're telling me what they're getting up to now in some of the churches. They're getting up to now where alcohol, it is acceptable. Pastor, do you say alcohol is not acceptable for the Christian? Yes, I am. Absolutely yes. They're saying they can go out and sit in the pub. And the church has become watered down. The church has become a group of wine bibbers. And the church has become sipping saints. Holiness in the church no longer has a meaning. And when there's no light in the church, there's no light in the nation. And as the church goes... So goes the nation. That's what's wrong with Britain. The church is afraid because of political correctness. The church is afraid to stand up which is right for that which is right. The church is afraid to stand up because they'll be shouted down. They'll be put in prison when there's men and women all around the world who are being beheaded for the name of Jesus. Such a weak, watery, shabby, pale picture of a church. And we find it 
In Revelation chapter 3, the lukewarm church, I believe, is our church today in the West. It's making Jesus sick. No longer does the church Christ stand up, stand up for Jesus. But more likely those in the church will say, we'll do anything rather than stand up, stand up for Jesus. Don't cause offense. Brother, sister, I have something to tell you tonight. This book tells me the gospel brings offense. This book tells me that it will separate families even. This book tells me there will be those of their own household who will be their own foes. And the church has become so weak it no longer has a say in our nation. Britain has fallen like Ephraim or the house of Israel of old. It has allowed all manner of heathen, idolatrous temples and mosques and practices to come into our land. We have allowed it to come in and now the tail is wagging the dog. Christians become mealy mouth, fenced, straddling, cream puff pie preachers. Shh, don't defend them. There is one Savior, there is one gospel. There is one sacrifice. There is one God. His name is not Allah. His name is Jesus. Here we have in this light and darkness. And our nation, our so-called evangelical Ulster has gone into darkness. It's going deeper and deeper into darkness. Just yesterday I was in the city centre and Alison and the girls went shopping and you know me, I don't do that. I just don't do the shops. I walk around the shops outside the others. I walked around around the city centre about, I don't know, many times. And I got a bit tired and I sat down and I watched these two men sitting facing them playing Christian music, handing out tracks and people pushing them out of the way. Two elderly men. Two Africans came along with a beatbox Drowned it out their music and the people swamped around them to see them doing tricks, blowing flames, fire breathers. And our people love to have it so. Our people love to have it so. They'd rather watch some demonic act of walking in fires and under coal, on cones and under flames and blowing out fire than take a tract of the gospel. Such is the church that we've become so miserably weak. No longer have we a say in the land and in our nation. We are heading longward and fastly into darkness. The Lord Jesus, he came, he bled, he died, He sent his word through the apostles in the early church 
and his word took hold and you and I were found by Christ, washed in his blood. We were filled with his spirit and you and I are kingdom bound. You and I are the children of the living God. You who had not obtained mercy and you who were not his people are now his people and have now obtained mercy. Obtain the mercy of God in a godless world. The word here for darkness is the word skatas. And it can mean literal darkness. You know, you go out, it's dark. But metaphorically, in this context, this is what it means. Let me read it to you. It speaks of ignorance respecting divine things and human duties. And the accompanying ungodliness that comes with it, together with immorality, with the consequent misery of hell. Wow. I hope you got that because it really means all of this darkness means we were in spiritual darkness. We were traveling fast down a broad road of destruction and our final destination was Gehenna fire. Christ shone in my darkness. Christ shone in your darkness. Christ came with his glorious gospel and shone in the darkness of this world. Shone in the darkness of men and women's hearts and has saved us, plucked us as brands from the burning. Now notice this. This darkness is also mentioned, but it's just different words for the darkness. Jude has only one little chapter, but if you want to flick over to it, it's only a couple of pages or three away from you. In the little epistle of Jude, Jude talks about those in darkness. Notice this. He mentions Sodom and Gomorrah. He mentions the angels in verse 6, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation He hath reserved an everlasting chains under darkness unto the day of, unto the judgment of the great day. Then Sodom and Gomorrah are mentioned. Then after that, he mentions Michael uh, striving, the archangel striving with Moses or, or the devil over the body of Moses. Then he mentions more. He mentions Cain. He mentions Balaam and all of their wicked ways and men starting to follow after them. Now look at verse 13. This is how he describes them. Raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame, wandering stars, to whom is reserved, notice, the blackness of darkness forever. To whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Do you know I can't change the gospel and neither do I want to. I can't change the word of God to suit someone who has died without Christ. I have my family members and some of them have died without Christ. I cannot change the gospel and stand at a graveside to say, well, you know, they're dancing in heaven tonight, but they rejected Christ. I can't change that. But I can preach it. And you can teach it. And you can say it. That others might not go there.
And many churches will come in and they'll stand up and they'll tell you a nice story. Put a little illustration in and everybody will go home with their ears tickled. I and others will stand and give an account of the things we have told you and taught. As a minister of the gospel, as a pastor, I will stand before the Lord Jesus and I will stand before him to give an account of what I have taught you. And I'm conscious of that. Notice this, we must move on here. The word here uh, uh, for in James chapter 1 and verse 3 is also mentioned by Peter in 2 Peter, not only in our first reading, flick over with me to 2 Peter, please. Chapter 2 and verse 4. 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 4. Here the Lord mentions the angels again. For God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them unto chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. He mentions Noah, the eighth person. He mentions the flood who swept them all away, who wouldn't listen, that judgment was coming. He mentions all these things, but here he says these angels are reserved to this darkness. Oh, brothers and sisters, what a horrible place. And you're afraid to tell your loved one in case they fall out with you. And you're afraid to tell your workmate in case he tells you to go away. And you're afraid to witness to your neighbor in case he tells you, you know, I don't want to listen to this and I don't want to talk to you anymore. And he doesn't lend you his wheelbarrow, his lawnmower. Isn't that true? They might stop talking to me. Will you talk to them? This horrible, terrible place is lined up for all those who are not in the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice this. The word here for darkness is the word zophos, where he's reserved it for them. And in judgment, this is what it is. Zophos means the netherworld. The world beneath. A place with no day, but only night. A place that is darkness and there's no light. Notice this. Uh, here's a little picture snapshot of uh, how the Lord uh, makes a difference between his people and those who are outside of him. Exodus 10 tells us the story of Moses coming uh, before Uh, The Lord, and the Lord tells him there would be a darkness in the land. But you you can read it when you go home. Exodus 10, verses 20 and 21, it says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand toward heaven, that there may be darkness over all the land of Egypt, even darkness which may be felt. Notice this darkness. This is darkness which may be felt. Verse 22, And Moses stretched forth his hand toward heaven, and there was a thick darkness. Notice this, a thick darkness in all the land of Egypt, three days. Notice how many days? Three days. That number is very important. The word here for darkness is the word koshak. Koshak. And it gives a meaning of total, absolute, and complete darkness. Total, absolute, and complete darkness. Not even a filter of light. 
Can you see those Egyptians? They couldn't see the finger before their nose. They couldn't step. Remember I told you about the Alwee Caves in the west of Ireland? They brought you away into the middle of the mountain. They turned off the light. And they said you're there for a short period of time. And you start losing your direction. You don't know left and right. You only know up or down just simply because the ground's beneath you when you bend your knees. Even at that, you worry and you wonder, what is beneath me? You start to lose all sense of direction. You'd walk over a cliff in one wrong step. You can't feel your way even. They say the only way to get down is onto your belly and try and crawl a little. Because he's, uh, the darkness of night has got the moon or the stars. And even though it may be very dark some nights, yet there's a little filtering of light. It's not a, a complete total darkness. Even out in the countryside, it's not. There's nowhere really like that. But in the middle of this mountain, it was so strange. You were afraid to move. You could poke yourself in the eye without blinking. You didn't see it right up to your eye, your finger. You couldn't even see it. In fact, just as I said here, you could feel the darkness. Notice this. In Genesis chapter 1, in verse 2, it says, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Darkness was upon the face of the deep. The word here for darkness is the exact same word for darkness in Egypt that, that, that time. Koshak. And it really means the same. Absolute and complete darkness. In other words, before the Lord put the sun up, before the Lord spoke the, spoke the moon for a lesser light by night, before the Lord placed the stars to give some resemblance of light, before the Lord shined forth his glory, before all of it, and the earth was tohu hebuhu, which means topsy-turvy, knocked off axis, upside down, chaos, and in blackness. That's what it means. Total, absolute blackness. It's the same word that happened in Egypt. God blanked it all out. Well, oh God, we serve that he can even blank out the very light of the moon at night. And the stars that shine, they give us light. And here he blanked it all out. But the Spirit of God came and moved upon the face of the waters. You see, the darkness is just like the light to him. And in the darkness of our lives and in the darkness of our nation and in the darkness of Israel scattered across the wilderness, God knew it all. God saw it all. God saw you and God saw me. And God saw us in our sin and he saw us in the pubs and he saw us in the clubs. He's seen us in spiritual darkness where there was no light at all in us for we were dead in our trespasses and in our sins. That means necros, we were dead as dead as dead can be. You're a dead man and a dead woman. But the Spirit of God moved in the darkness. The Spirit of God moved in your heart. God spoke comfortably to his people. God spoke to the heart and he quickened us. Spoke into our darkness and brought us into his marvelous light through the glorious gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. I notice that. Let's go back to Exodus chapter 10. Listen to what verse 23 says of this total darkness. They saw not one another. 
Neither rose up any man from his place for three days. But all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. Do you notice that? All God's people had light. Lord, how do you do this? He's marvelous. He's way past finding out. He's beyond all our comprehension. Yet to every man and woman who were not belonging to him, they were in absolute, complete and total darkness. Yet in Israel, the light was shining. Oh, see the difference here. Can you see the difference of where we were and where we are? You see the difference in what he has done for us? How great this wonderful salvation is. This idea that they saw not one another for three days, the children of Israel had light in their dwellings, it gives the impressing idea and the impressing reality that a life in darkness ends up in total darkness. That's why Jesus said, if the light that be in you be darkness, how great is that darkness? Come on, sister, who's going around and phoning people and talking to people or sitting in somebody's home and talking about others and running them down and backstabbing them. If the light be in you, be darkness. How great is it? Oh, and brother, here's the church of God. How great is it? Job chapter 10, verses 20 and 21. Job says, Are not my days few? Cease then and let me alone that I may take comfort a little. Before I go whence I shall not return even to the land of darkness and the shadow of death or the place of Hades. The Skotos. Or rather the Keshach of darkness and the shadow of Hades. He says, See there, it's total darkness. Why do you think the psalmist David says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. There's light in the darkness. There's light in the valley of the shadow of death for the man and the woman who enter that veil in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's light. And Goshen for God's people. So praise the Lord for his gospel and for his great plan of the ages, the saving grace and the comfortable words. Listen to this moving quickly. Acts chapter 26 and verse 18. Paul is before King Agrippa. And here he says that Christ had apprehended him and this was the commission. And for time's sake, let me just read this bit. To open their eyes, that is, their lost eyes, and to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Notice those who are in complete darkness. To bring them into light. To take them from the power of Satan. You know what the word power is? It's the same word to those who receive Christ. To them give he power to become the sons of God. To them give he the exousia. The exousia means the license, the right, the privilege and the authority to become the sons of God. But when you're not in Christ, the power of darkness is upon you. It has a right because you're in your sin. It has a license. It has a privilege. And you belong to it. But praise God, he shines his light in the darkness 
He comes in the darkness, comprehends it not. Here we have Paul saying that was his call in 1 Peter 2 9. God hath called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Just have to pause for a moment. The word here for called you out. The word called here is a word keleo. Do you know what it means? To call aloud. To call aloud. You see, I hear people saying, you're coming to give a wee talk. Um, Thank you for the talk. The Bible says that people are saved through the preaching of the gospel. Preaching gospel. And the word preached there gives the idea to cry aloud. Here the word keleo gives the idea to call aloud. In fact, it also means to call aloud by your name. Call aloud by your name. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give unto them eternal life. Christ calls the name of the sinner. When Christ calls the name of his people, they come to him for they're his sheep. His marvelous light here. He's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The word marvelous is the word themestos. That's a big word. You're hard to get your tongue around. Themestos. And it means wonderful, extraordinary, something passing all human comprehension. This light that we have of the gospel is not just a marvelous light. It's an extraordinary light. It's a light that uh, passes all human comprehension. I notice this. In Matthew 21, in verses 42 and 43, when Christ comes back and the remnant of Judah are there and we have Herod's temple and they're all looking at the temple and so on and 40 years in the making of it and he says one stone will not lie upon another and all this sort of stuff. Listen, verse 42. Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Jewish leaders, listen to what he said. Jesus saith unto them, did you never read the scriptures? The stone which the builders rejected, speaking of himself, the same has become the head of the corner. We looked at that a few weeks ago. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. The word here, it is beyond human comprehension to men. The word marvelous means it's extraordinary in our eyes. It's wonderful in our eyes. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Notice verse 43. Therefore, because the temple will be torn down in AD 70, because therefore the sacrifices and the oblations will be finished, therefore because there will be no more lambs slain for the sacrifice of people's sins, therefore because there will be no more red heifers, because he says, therefore, I say unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation, given to an ethnos, not the ecclesia, to an ethnos, bringing forth the fruits thereof. Who was the nation? Who is the ethnos? Those whom Peter said are strangers who were scattered abroad from the house of Israel.
is not the ecclesia for the church. And they would bring forth, they would become Christianized peoples in Christ. This is God's great and glorious gospel. And look what Peter says, 1 Peter 2 and 9, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you. The word show forth is exangelo, which means to tell, to declare, to publish, to make known by praise and celebration. The praises of him here comes, gives the idea of the excellencies and the gracious dealings and the glorious attributes. He says, speak about them. Tell them about the gospel. Tell them about saving grace. Tell them about the power of the blood. Tell them about my son. Tell them about redemption. Tell them about forgiveness of sin. Tell them about imputed righteousness. Tell them about justification by faith. He says, tell them about my glory, that I am the creator God, who made the heavens and the earth, who became flesh and died on the cross, that they may be my people again. That's what that means. No, do one more night. One more, because of too much material. I wrote some stuff yesterday on Lamentations, and I just haven't time for it. Turn with me to Lamentations. We'll round this off and give you a taster for next week, and that's it finished for the t- tonight. This gospel would go to every nation, to every kindred, to every people, to every tribe, to every tongue, Men and women would hear the gospel, be called out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Lamentations, please. Lamentations chapter 3. Let's just read a few verses and I'll give you a taster. I am the man that has seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. He hath led me and brought me into darkness, but not into light. Now note that for next week. He hath led me and brought me into darkness, and not into light. Jeremiah is speaking this when the house of Judah, the southern kingdom, are taken away. He's breaking his heart, but through it comes prophetic utterance of his own feelings, how he's feeling, what he's saying, the times of preaching, and the people wouldn't listen, the judgment that had came upon him. And he called the weeping prophet. He's crying over Jerusalem. He's crying over, over the, the Jewish people. He's crying and crying. He's saying, you wouldn't listen. Like Jesus saying, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them that are sent unto thee. How often would I have gathered thy children together as a hand doth gather her chickens under her wings? And you would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate or your temple. Everything is in Christ. Christ and Christ alone for me. Notice this. He hath brought me, or he hath led me in, he hath led me and brought me into darkness, but not into light. God bringing into darkness. God led it into darkness. Now, the people rejected the preaching of the word, and they brought themselves into darkness. They were in darkness because the nation had apostasy. It's like Britain is in darkness tonight. 
because of their apostasy, because of, of their legalized abortion, because of the silent holocaust. Britain is in darkness tonight because of their homosexual uh, gay agenda that's been forced upon every man and woman that, that, that are straight and that, that are just righteous loving. Moral thinking. It's forced upon us. We're plunged into darkness. Yet we blame God when it happens. And when we see our young soldiers beheaded in the streets with the heathen coming in and killing and murdering just a woman this weekend had her head cut off about 80 years of age by a black convert to Islam. Cut her head off in her own garden when she was doing her garden. People start to blame God. You've led me into darkness. No, we never. We've led ourselves into darkness. Because we love to have it so. The church loves to have it so. Don't preach righteousness. The church, you'll empty it. Don't preach holiness. They don't want to come to church. Don't preach the Holy Ghost. You'll frighten them away. Don't preach the blood. You see, you're not inclusive there. You see, they led themselves into darkness. There's men and women who are leading themselves into darkness. Letting their hearts run away from God. And not in delight, he says. I want to tell you this and other scriptures next week. I'm going to show you. This is prophetic utterance. Of the cross of Christ. I he who spoke the worlds into being and said, Let there be light. When that world was in tohu hepohu, vapuhu, in total chaos and darkness. Let there be light, and there was light. And burst through the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. The one who came and said, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. He whom the scripture says is coming back, and that the Lamb is the light thereof, for there's no need of the sun in the coming kingdom of God. He will shine from one end of the heavens to the other, and his glory shall fill the skies. And this one, he left the ivory palace. What is the song guy? He left the splendor of heaven, knowing his destiny. Was a lowly hill of Golgotha, there to lay down his life for me. He went from light into darkness. He hath led me into darkness and not into light. If only any man could cry that. If any man could cry that, there's one and one alone, and it's Christ himself. For we're all in darkness of our sin and shame. Thank the Lord. He hath brought us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. He's a worthy Lord, isn't he? He's a wonderful Savior. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. I better give over at that. I'll keep going. I'll keep going. What a glorious gospel we have. 
You know, it's not just fanciful fairy tales. You can tell I got a bit of energy when I was away on holidays, can't you? <laughs> Recovered a bit. 